Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today on The Interview, we have the honor to sit down with the author, Catherine McNeil. Catherine writes about the creative and redemptive work of God in our real, ordinary lives. Her upcoming book, Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies, releases from NAV Press in February of 2022. You can learn more about her at katherinemcneil.com. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us at the interview. Well, welcome. This is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me is Brenna Varner in Albany, Oregon. How you doing, Brenna? Doing great. Good. Still suffering from COVID, right? Uh, yes, suffering. <laughs> no, I'm doing pretty good. Yes, technically, I still have the COVIDs, but I'm on the upswing. So. Yes, as you as you and your husband live in your uh, motorhome, right? Is that what you guys are doing right now? Isolated we, in the motorhome. We are. We're trying to stay away from our daughter who is taking a whole bunch of math exams right now for finals, and we don't want to mess it up for her. Yeah, yeah, you're really suffering for Jesus there in the motorhome, yeah. right? Just, yeah. <laughs> that's yep. good. Bring us food, kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And also with us is Terry Ishii in Austin, Texas. How's it going, Terry? It's good, man. I've got my, I'm over COVID, so I've got my antibodies. So I'm, I'm invincible for the next three months. So. That's right. You and I are both traveling quite a bit in the next uh, couple of weeks, and I just got over it. So I have all the antibodies now, too. So I'm, I'm feeling good about the, uh, the traveling coming up now that I'm invincible. Uh, that's good. What I'm excited about is also with us is Catherine McNeil in the Chicagoland area, west west of Chicago, just by a little bit. Uh, Catherine is an author, and well, man, Catherine, why don't you just kind of us a little bit of back, a background of you, like your story, how you got into writing, uh, things like that. Absolutely, I'd love to. Well, hey everyone, you three as well as everyone listening on the air. I yeah, I am an author. This is uh, the book we're. I hope we're going to talk about today is my third book. Actually, yes. all three have been published by Nav Press. Um, I've written many, 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 many other things as well. The very first thing I had published was a poem in my small town newspaper awesome. in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, uh, when I was about in second grade, oh and. Gosh. I mean, you know, probably awesome. probably a dozen people read that, but I was super pumped. That's right. Uh, and I've been writing ever since. I've had a lot of jobs in between that poem and uh, book writing, but writing was just always a love of mine. It didn't really occur to me I could do it professionally, so I maybe took the long way around. But I've just I've always been writing. Uh, when blogging was first a thing, I started blogging and then started pitching articles to magazines and websites. And before you knew it, I was pitching book proposals and, and here we are. So I'm, I'm really grateful. It's a, it's, it's a joy. Oh, it's so cool. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think second grade Catherine is more, more decorated writer than my adult self. So <laughs> congratulations on that. I'm lucky if I can string two words together to make something semblance of a sentence. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, well, Catherine, uh, yes, this is your third book, which we're excited about. Tell us a little bit. So the name of the book is Fearing Bravely, uh, Risking Love for for Our Neighbors, Strangers and Enemies. And so anyone in the Forge tribe, I mean, that's that we know that's like right up our alley. We're always talking about yeah. how do we engage our neighbors? How are we engaging those people on the margins? And you know what's funny? One thing that we really don't talk a ton about is engaging enemies. Right. Mm, and mm-hmm. so we talk a lot about love for enemy and love for strangers. But uh, yeah, so I find your book super fascinating. So how did Fearing Bravely come about? Well, you know, the back cover copy 
says, we have so many reasons to be afraid. And yet Jesus says, do not fear. Mm -hmm. And that is a tension that I find in the Bible. I find it in our own dialogues and in our own experience of life, where nearly a hundred, and depending on how you count, multiple hundreds of times in the Bible, God is showing up and saying, don't be afraid. And I think we kind of figure, well, that doesn't apply to us because I'm in this really dangerous, mm -hmm. this scary situation. But if you look at the scenarios where God or God's messenger, God's prophet, Jesus said that in the Bible, it was also incredibly dangerous, incredibly scary scenarios. And so clearly God is not saying the world is safe. You know, everything's fine. It's mm -hmm. not like an opening episode of The Good Place. Um, it's the world is a scary and dangerous place, but we're not going to survive it if we are just sucked into fear. And we're not going to make it a better place if we're motivated by fear either. The only power that will allow us to overcome our anxieties, our, um, our suspicions is love. And um, that's the only way we're going to contribute to making safer communities yeah. is if we're motivated by love rather than by fear. Yeah, no, that's great. And and you specifically center the book around neighbors, strangers, and enemies. So it's yes. like engaging yes. this love, but really looking mm -hmm. at neighbors, strangers, and and enemies. Unpack that for us. Kind of what what's your what's the thesis behind that? The reason behind that? What are what's your hope that that people who pick this up may begin engaging? What would that look like? Yeah. Well, you know, again, partially. I'm centering this because those are the three groups of people that Jesus talked about mm. us loving. Um, Jesus said, love your neighbor and said that that is the number. Well, it's tied for number one <laughs> for him. Um, loving God and loving your neighbor sums up everything that God wants for us and from us. And I just, if you take a look at the way we talk, I don't, I don't know that we agree with Jesus. I think there's a lot of things that we prioritize a lot higher than loving our neighbor. Um, if you look at the things we argue about on Twitter or talk about on cable television or even preach about in church, it's it's not so much really holding each other accountable to make sure that we're loving our neighbor. It's, it's a lot of other things. When Jesus' listeners asked him to clarify what he meant by love your neighbor, he, they said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus goes into this long and winding tale that we call the Good Samaritan. And the thing is, is he doesn't identify like, well, it's people within five houses of you or it's people that were within a 10 minutes drive of you. He describes um, someone who is in need, desperate need, and it's a dangerous situation. Stopping to help this person in need is going to put you in danger and it's going to be costly. But the person who actually does it are not the people that his Jesus listeners would have assumed were the good, the godly, the religious people. The person who actually lives the way Jesus is asking is a stranger, actually an enemy. The Samaritans were very much enemies of Jesus' people at that time, and he was considered a heretic. And yet Jesus is saying, this stranger, this enemy, this heretic is the person who is loving God the way I've said, simply because he saw a stranger in need. So Jesus says a whole lot about our need to care for strangers, no matter what it costs us, no matter how dangerous it might be. And then when another time when Jesus is expounding on the need to love our neighbor, he says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But I say to you, 
love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And I think it's really important. One of the reasons why I included that personally is we don't think really to have these conversations these days, I think, about how to love our neighbors, how to expand that even to sacrificially caring for strangers. And one of the reasons why we don't is because we have this loophole where we can say, well, those people are our enemies. Like those people are trying to hurt us. Those people are trying to harm our country or those people are disintegrating our values. So I love that Jesus expands this even to enemies because there's no way out for us. Okay, I might disagree with you about who our enemies are or aren't, but I can concede that point to you. We don't need to spend any time arguing about if these neighbors or these strangers are friend or foe, because either way, our marching orders are the same. We need to love them. We need to actively and intentionally and even sacrificially love everyone in Jesus' name, whether they're neighbors or strangers or enemies, not because it's safe, but because this is what kingdom living asks of us. And this is what Jesus has asked of us. So Catherine, you know, a a ton of people deal with fear, right? We got fear is one of those things where you know, everyone is dealing with some sort of fear and, and our current landscape in our society Mm -hmm. there, I mean, there is just fodder for fear Mm -hmm. every time you turn the television on. Right. And almost Mm -hmm. to the point people are making profit off, but people are profiting off of fear, right? It is a big business in our world. So as people deal with fear and, and trying to wrap their, their, their mind around it, how do, how do we get back to this idea that love conquers fear? Like what, what are the Mm -hmm. beginning like what would what what are the beginning steps of really trying to practically live this out? What encouragement might you have for for mm-hmm. listeners who are trying to to practice this love over fear? Well, I do think it's important to be aware that it's not kind of a coincidence or a side effect that people are profiting off of fear. It's very very intentional. If you look at any current event or any time in history, Exploiting people's fear is always how powerful and wealthy people have retained power and wealth Mm -hmm. and how up and coming people have acquired power and wealth. It's by causing others to be afraid. You know, if I'm not going to turn the weather channel on today because the sun is shining, doesn't I have no need. But if I get an alert on my phone saying an incredibly dangerous storm might be coming, I'm going to have it on all day. And so. People are not very easily manipulated or asked to act in a particular way or spend money unless they're afraid. And if they feel like there's a reason to be afraid, then we'll do almost anything if we trust the person who's telling us to do something. Um, We'll even take up arms and and fight each other if we are afraid that they're going to harm us first and we need to strike first. So I think it is really important to realize that the messages that we're getting from almost every voice in our lives are not neutral in this matter. They're either feeding our fears and discipling us towards decisions and lives lived in light of fear, or, um, they're, or they're pointing us towards God and God's love. And it's it, there's very few neutral voices out there. There's a lot of research done on this, so you don't have to take my word for it. But 
You know, I think there is a passage of scripture in Exodus that I talk about in Fearing Bravely. Um, it's a verse, I'm not going to be able to quote it correctly, but uh, paraphrasing it, God is about to give the commandments and the law and, and forge this new relationship with the people of Israel in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. And he's made a, a big production. There's there's smoke and there's thunder and lightning and the people are afraid. And um, the Bible says, do not be afraid for I'm teaching you the fear of the Lord. And it's like, wait, come again. Like, don't be afraid because I'm going to teach you how to be afraid. Like what's going on here? And what is going on here is that the word for the, we think of fear is like, someone's going to hurt me. I'm, I'm shaking. I need to fight or flight. Um, but the word that's being used there for fear of God is reverence and awe. And although I don't talk about this in the book, I think about Peter trying to walk to Jesus on the water. Like now there is a reason to be afraid. Like this is not how nature and gravity and water works. You know what I mean? You are about to drown. But he wasn't when he kept his eyes on Jesus. So fear of God is this worship and awe and reverence of a loving parent, a loving creator, a loving savior who is not waiting to punish us, is not hoping to uh, catch us screwing up so that we can be put in our place. Rather, an encouraging parent, um, a loving God who laid his life down for us. When we can keep our eyes on Jesus, on that God of love, then all of these other things, like the waves that Peter was walking on, they don't have to bother us as much. So I think that's where we have to begin is by an intentional, we're already being daily discipled intentionally towards being afraid of so many of our fellow neighbors and strangers. If we are going to combat that, we need to engage in an ongoing daily discipleship of putting our eyes on Jesus and realizing that God is not a God of fear, but a God of love. That's good. You know, Catherine, I'm, I'm just processing everything that you're saying, because when we first started the conversation, I was thinking, you know, well, fear isn't necessarily something to completely throw off. Like sometimes no. fear helps us. But I think in the, the conversation in our landscape right now, it's either uh, people live in fear or the godly thing to do is have no fear and you shouldn't live with with any limitations. And there's there's something in that conversation where it's supposedly more godly to just not fear and to live almost live without limitation. Right. Yeah. We're going right. to we're going to live without limitation because we have God on our side. And I don't think that's what you're saying. I, I what I'm hearing you say is we're not casting off fear entirely we're replacing it with love and that's that's totally different in our conversation right now that you know in in our landscape is i i don't live in fear because i have god and god doesn't want me to believe live fearfully but it's about how i'm living instead of i'm not supposed to live in fear because i'm supposed to be actively loving and and doing these things do you uh unpack that for me a little bit of that you know, how fear is used right now in our cultural context almost can be, in living without fear, it can be a um, an excuse 
to engagement with other people. Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's that such an important goal for me in writing this book is that at no time do I say again, like everything's fine. That is not the message that my own senses are telling me. That is not the reality. That's not what God is saying. That is definitely not what Jesus is inviting to. I mean, Jesus was publicly and brutally murdered and a lot of his followers were too. So Jesus said that when we follow him, we need to pick up our cross. And for me, that's like the pretty necklace that I wear as a symbol of my profound devotion. But what Jesus meant was, if you're going to follow me, I mean, think about it first, because they might kill you the way they are killing me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's definitely not about being safe. That's why we went with the title Fearing Bravely, Mm -hmm. because almost every kind of wordplay we could come up with seemed to indicate that don't be afraid, which granted are the words in the Bible that I just quoted, but in in a sense that there's no reason to be afraid, that like you have misinterpreted the situation. Again, like kind of that opening scene of The Good Place, if you've seen mm-hmm. it, where like the first thing we want to tell you is everything is fine, yeah. <laughs> but every, everything is not fine. The second chapter of the book, I really wanted to clarify that, and it's called um, Unsafe and Unafraid. Mm. And there's another place where I uh, go into, I call fear our frenemy, because uh, I describe raising my kids. And when they were toddlers, they would chase every squirrel into the street and they would jump into the 10 foot end of the pool and they had no fear. And it was only because of God's incredible gift of the amygdala that they realized that some of their choices lead to pain and they started to be afraid in a in a very healthy, growth-oriented way. And they stopped running into the streets and they stopped jumping into the deep end of the pool and they stopped trying to crawl out of my third story window of our apartment building. And that made my life a lot easier and it made theirs a lot longer. So... Fear is a really important component of being human, Mm -hmm. but just like anything that we need, we can be so easily exploited and and it can take us over. That's good. Yeah. What I find interesting is the dynamic of, you know, fear that we have. And then you you, you talk about this idea of fear of God, or it's this awe. Mm -hmm. And I find them to be really related and, you know, um, our, our people who listen to the podcast know that I, I I love me some Instagram reels, and so and <laughs> there there's a a, a a quick little video that I saw. It feels like it was a couple of weeks ago, but it was profound. It, it just stuck with me, and it didn't have a dog in it, which was really surprising. Because if it's not a dog, I just skip <laughs> right and just like no dog. I'm not like wasting my five seconds. But it was it was a it was a video of this this small child, and they were they were attempting to to like throw like a stick or something. They were like, you know, and they were just struggling and you could tell that they were frustrated. And then it shows the dad and the dad just walks up and picks the stick up and just launches it. Mm-hmm. And it has all the success of this frustration this kid has. And then it just, the video just shows this kid like, like almost in freak out mode, look at the dad. And then just in that moment, there's this sense of like, wow, that like you just did that like this thing mm-hmm. and it, it's the picture that i have of god right is that we have these things that we're we're fearful of that are bombarding us all the time and and some of it is manipulation by other people and some is like legit fear in our life and then mm-hmm. if we can just look at god 
and just be in awe. And and that I'll never forget the face on that little kid. And the kid is just looking and staring at his dad. And it's just this sense of like, you are awesome. Like that, that is amazing Mm. that you were able to do that. And and you can almost get a sense that that kid in that moment is like, as long as I hang with you, I am completely safe. Like everything's going to be all right if I hang with you. And, And that's, and as you're talking, that's the picture I'm getting is that yes, there are things in this world that we can, we are going to be afraid of, but how we deal with that fear is the key. And we have this amazing father who's willing to stand Mm -hmm. there and he'll pick up the stick and just chunk it farther than we could Mm -hmm. ever um, imagine. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I love that that image of awe that our 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 fear of the Lord can actually play a huge role in overcoming fear and and really Mm -hmm. living and dealing with fear. And, you know, I think an aspect of this that God understands better than we do, I think, is the spiritual formation piece of it and just the people making piece of it. Because when we are constantly being formed by fear and our choices and our lifestyles are motivated by keeping ourselves safe rather than reaching out again to neighbors and strangers and even enemies in love, as Jesus told us to do, we ourselves become dangerous um, when we are constantly imbibing messages um, that these people are trying to harm us and these people are trying to harm us and these people are harming our country and these people um, are dangerous we be we're going to act accordingly and if those messages aren't true or they're not true to the degree that we have believed it we ourselves will become dangerous to our neighbors we ourselves will become the enemies and that is really sobering to me and i think um, we need to really consider how we are being how we are being formed and what role we actually are playing in in the dangers that we are perceiving. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. One of the things that I'm really intrigued by in this conversation is I remember a long time ago, uh, so I got into, I don't know if you've been into the Enneagram at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah all the, all, everybody's into that, right? It's a big thing. And uh, one of the things I really love is, uh, so on the Enneagram, I'm an eight, but Terry, my friend here, is a six on the living Enneagram. Living that six and life. So th- yeah. Are you yeah, a six yeah, too? There it is. I uh, am. Yeah. I'm a phobic six. I'm just a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's that whole idea of, you know, that the, the fear of it there, right? The fear of security mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And and it's 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 really interesting to hear from Terry and we'll be in some conversations and then he'll be like, oh, hold up. My six is tingling. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what's going on. Like, what are you talking about? And then he'll explain it to me. And I remember reading or I think it was a podcast I listened to a long time ago that said, I guess the theory is uh, that 40 percent of the population are sixes um, that they live in that. I don't know if that's true or not. That has not played true out in my life. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at least on this conversation, half of you, you know, half of you guys first are. time it's ever uh, happened i i I've, i find sixes i've 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 signed all the other numbers except four four is the rarest number i've i've encountered they do say there are more sixes than anything else but i haven't met a lot of sixes so i'm always excited sure. when i meet one in the wild me neither yeah, yeah. but yeah. the frame they put in it is they go if you look at and they were picking on at the time i think it was during a political season they go if you look at the political messaging out there and what that would do to a six, mm-hmm. you know, the state yeah. of fear it puts you in. And again, I think it's just as you said, Catherine, you're going to be formed that way. You know, if you hear this and you're doing that. And I find that fascinating. And I find conversations that like that you're having with the book in saying, OK, hey, it's out there. Here's all the stuff. Let's recognize it. Let's define reality. But we have to replace this with, again, the reverence, the mm-hmm. awe, the because the, mm-hmm. there is no I mean, 
I think the concepts of security, the concepts of anxiety, a lot of those things, not trying to lump it all under and say, here's the fix, but there's something to this idea of, hey, just like you're saying, Terry, that awe of your father, that awe of God, that awe, that reverence of saying, hey, if I'm walking with you, I'm with everybody else. And so I love the fact that you're entering into this conversation. This is an interest. I'm so glad you brought up the Enneagram because I don't like to bring it up (laughs) if people don't know what I'm talking about. But just bear in mind, I'm writing this about taking a risk to love rather than fear neighbors, strangers and enemies as a six. Mm -hmm. And I just can't get around the fact that if we believe that Jesus was the son of God, we should probably take what he said seriously. And what he said is most important aside from loving God, is to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, to take care of strangers, even if they are our enemies, and even if it costs us a lot. So I don't think anyone is forcing us to follow Jesus. Jesus himself seemed to kind of like put like a warning sticker on it, like don't do this unless you're sure, because it's not going to be safe. But a lot of us are saying that we our followers of Jesus, or at least are hoping to be. And so I think we have to have an honest conversation about how it's not a safe thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do, but it is joyful. And there is, it is love from beginning to end. And we're called not to do it on our own, but to do it as a body. And I think that's where a lot of it changes. um, That if we are actually looking to live in the world differently per Jesus, not by ourselves, but with a team of people. It's still gonna, it's gonna be messy because people are messy, but there's there's this love that surpasses yeah. knowledge. Kath- Catherine, as a uh, Enneagram six, I think you're the perfect person to lead in this conversation then, you know, cause there's, there's an honesty that you bring to that. Mm-hmm. Um, as you've processed this and as you've looked at how we're being formed into fear and how we need to reorient ourselves, what what things for yourself have you found to be enlightening or helping uh, as you have been uh, working on fearing bravely? Is it your own hmm. practice? Well, I do have, at, the book is broken into four different sections. The first one looks at love and fear, kind of in how they contrast with each other. Second is neighbors, then strangers, then enemies. And at the end of every section, I I give a lot of discussion and reflection questions as well as um, some practices. And I think a lot of the practices um, that have been helpful to me are in there, Um, including some songs that I love listening to and some some artwork that I love to look at. But I think for me, I just, and I, I talked about this more in my first two books, but just a daily discipline of reminding myself that God is right here. God is not frowning at me or at any of us. God's hands are open. God's back is not turned to us. God is facing us, um, shining down on us, um, bringing us, hoping to bring us peace and love. Um, That God is as close as a breath, that I can literally just take in a breath and I am in God's presence. I think a lot of times we are so afraid of God and not in a good way. We're afraid that God is condemning us, angry with us, uh, that Jesus is kind of slipping us in on the down low um, before God notices. (laughs) I think think that I can only practically even step into the conversation when I'm reminding myself every day that God's mood right now is joyful. 
Mm-hmm. And when God looks at me, God is smiling, not because I'm awesome, um, not because God doesn't see my pain and my failures and the pain and failures of all of us, but because we are God's creation. And God is really excited about his creation, and he is going to keep making it right and good, and we're invited to join along. Um, again, the question is, do we want to? Because it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be risk-free, but it's going to be love from beginning to end. Yeah. Let, let me let me pivot real quick, uh, Catherine. Uh, one of the things in Forge that we, we talk a lot about is, is this idea of mission and you know, one of the one of the definitions that we use for mission quite quite often is an is a the definition that a South African missiologist David Bosch uses, and I, I'm I'm gonna just destroy this. So Bradford, fill in the gaps where I get this wrong. But basically, he defines mission as not so much about the recruiting of others to a way of life or to come to church or things mm-hmm. like that, but it's more the alerting of others to the rule and reign of God through the life. Mm. Of Christ, and so I know your book handles evangelism, um, and you, you kind of dip in a little bit. How how does how does the book deal with evangelism, and how what would you what would be some encouragements or some thoughts on people who are mm-hmm. who are looking to engage in mission to uh, to make much of Jesus to to reveal the rule and reign of God to reveal His mm-hmm. glory and do it in a way with maybe they're they're trying to figure this out with their their neighbors or maybe even strangers and enemies because I can find mm-hmm. being on mission mm-hmm. from a revealing God standpoint is can can be difficult with enemies and strangers. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that's a lot. How much time do we have? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. I don't think I use the word evangelism anywhere in the book, but I definitely am saying this is God's strategy for how we get the good news out there, how we get God's love out there. It's by loving God, loving our neighbors, extending that to strangers, extending that to enemies. So I think that's really what it is all about. Um, I use the metaphor of, of Christmas lights. You know, I string up my, well, my husband strings up our Christmas lights on our, you know, outside of our house in December when it's just so dark and so dim and that our little lights make no difference. There's no way that anyone would be helped by the amount of lights that are two or three strings of lights. But my neighbor also does the same and his neighbor does the same and her neighbor does the same. And all of a sudden our whole town is lit up. And I think that's the invitation for us here. Um, We get so overwhelmed by how much oppression and injustice and sin and pain is in the world, as we should. It is heavy and it's a lot. Um, But God's invitation is to begin by loving God and then loving our neighbor. And if there are a lot of people who identify as Christians in this country and in the world, and if we all actually put in strategic effort into taking care of the people Um, that we encounter day by day, whether they're our cubicle neighbor or our actual neighbor or the person in front of us in the grocery store, if we make uh, an intentional decision to view these neighbors, whether they're strangers and even if they're enemies, as people to whom we are oriented towards loving, we're not going to probably be handing out evangelism tracts. Um, you know, maybe Good. we'll be ca- carrying groceries to That's somebody's uh, car or, mm-hmm. or, or bringing over um, a pot pie, although I hate cooking. So less of that, <laughs> ideally. Uh, you could bring me a there pot pie. <laughs> <laughs> but if we're just starting to reorient our lives around 
not so much how can I keep myself safe from all these people, but how can I how can I make life better for my yeah. community? Mm-hmm. And if we're all doing Beautiful. that, it's like the Christmas lights. It just keeps on spreading. Yeah. That's so good. All right, Catherine, uh, what's one message or or idea uh, from the book that you hope will resonate most with readers who pick it up? Oh, there are so many ideas that I would love to resonate. (laughs) But I think if I can if I can uh, have what I earlier said about God's love and God's Mm -hmm. presence already being here, it's a given. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. God is not waiting for me to mess up. If I can give that as a given then I think what I want readers to take away is that because of that, they can be brave. Mm. We can be brave because God's love is always with us. It doesn't mean we're going to, we're all going to die. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? And in the meantime, we're all going to get sick and we're all going to suffer and we're all going to lose people. So safety is not, is not a possible goal, but losing God's love isn't either. So those two things are sure. How can I be brave then knowing I'll never be safe, but I will never lose God's love. How can I reach out and try to make the people in my community, um, how can I make our community stronger? How can I make my neighborhood stronger? How can I make the world just a tiny little bit better for the people around me? Yeah, Yeah, we talk a lot in Forge about this idea of prevenient grace that God God mm-hmm. always goes before us and so whatever situation that we we enter into whether it's a a you know as, as a six anytime someone says hey can we meet for coffee I instantly like oh no something bad's gonna happen you know and so <laughs> so whether you're stepping into a coffee meeting or into the boardroom or you have to have a hard mm-hmm. conversation with someone or something's going on like wherever we wherever we take steps towards God has already there he's already been there he's already been at work and so yeah I love that you you make that such a big emphasis because again I think that's one of the things that I just wish more and more people would understand and and feel because I remember the first time I heard that idea it it was one of the most reassuring comforting peace of mind kind of concepts that mm-hmm. I never have to be the one that is taking the first step. Like, and when when I'm trying, mm-hmm. if you, and as you're listening, you may be thinking of a stranger. You may be thinking of an enemy, and you're like, "How do I love this person?" Like, and and, you, and it doesn't matter because God has already gone there before you, so you don't have to have the original idea. You just have to simply mm-hmm. find where God is working and join in that work. And so. Yeah, that's wonderful. There's two other things I'd love to say on that. Um, one, in the book, I quote a really ancient Christian text. It's not in the Bible. It's called the Didache, although I'm pretty sure I say it wrong, where it was kind of like a handbook for the mm-hmm. early Christians. And there's one section in it, I think I quote it twice, where it says, if you can obey all of Jesus' teaching, that would be amazing. But you know what? Just do what you can. Mm. And I, you know, that's a 2000 year old piece of advice. And I think it's what we need. Like, again, I think sometimes we do nothing because we let the perfect get in the way of the good. good. And Jesus is not saying change your whole community, change the whole world. Jesus is saying, do what you can. And the other thing that I would love as a result of this book, I, 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 as a, I'm a six wing five, so I'm very much an introvert and I do a, a whole lot of thinking before I do a whole lot of action. And I do think it's important at minimum that the way we think and talk starts to shift. Mm-hmm. Um, 
even if we ha don't come up with a lot of practical things we can do in our neighborhoods or in our communities, um, even if we never get great at reaching out to strangers or building bridges with enemies, I'd love for the way we talk about strangers and enemies yeah. to change. Um, if we could at least not talk about people we disagree with or or we feel are in a opposition to us as with so much hatred and vitriol, um, if we could speak with love about them, I think that would go a long way. Yeah, that's beautiful. Catherine, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I mean, do you have any other projects that you're working on that kind of on, in, on the horizon that you're excited about? Oh, wow. Well, I, I've always got a lot of projects going. Um, like you, like I said earlier, this is my third book. Uh, my first two books are still out there selling. So I'd love people to pick up long days of small things and all shall be well. Also, um, I just recently uh, wrote a Bible study about uh, migration in the Bible through Women of oh, Welcome. Nice. So you can Google Women of Welcome and find that as well. I'm working with NavPress on a devotional Bible. So there's always, there's always something in the works. You can keep up to date with me on my website or on social cool. media. Cool. Yeah. So what's the best way if people want to reach out and connect or, you know, maybe have you speak or share? What What's the best way for them to yeah. contact you? I love speaking. I love sharing. Uh, my website is best. It's katherinemcneil.com. And I assume you'll have that yes. in the show notes because it's yep. not, there's a couple ways you can yes. spell that. Um, but then I'm on almost all social media at Very Catherine cool. and, McNeil. And you, you, and McNeil, you have the I and the E is, it's oh, flipped. I when I first read, I, I'm, I have flipped. dyslexia and I was like, I was refusing to spell it that way. It's like, no, I know it's I before E uh, or it's E, whatever. Again, I'm already confused. I, I don't even know. And so, but know. Yes, so we'll have it on the show notes uh, to go do that. Uh, but you can get Fear and Bravely. Uh, can they get that at your website or is Amazon the best place to get that? Uh, you know, it's not for sale on my website, but there are links Perfect. to buying it at my website. Uh, but Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Christian Books, Walmart, Target, anywhere Perfect. books are yeah. sold. So so go support Jeff Bezos and his giant space program and get it at Amazon. <laughs> right. Uh, or get it or at your, your local bookstore. You can have yep. them special order <laughs> it for better. you. Even better. Uh, well, Catherine, thank you. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're so excited to have you uh, join us. And so you're a new voice for our, our tribe and our community. And we'd love to have you back as more things kind of happen. And we love what NAFPRESS is doing. We had Angie Ward on earlier uh, and we talked yeah. about cracks in the universe. And I know you had a chapter in that as well. So uh, that did. was fantastic. So thank you for all the Wonderful. work that you do. And we look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thank you. Keep looking thank at Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America longs to see the reign of God revealed in the everyday spaces of life. To do this, we partner with local movements to mobilize the people of God to participate in the everyday mission of God. If you'd like to know more about Forge America, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.